0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. please be seated. The rest of you that were seated, please stand up. Don't don't do that. Hope you're you're comfortable with whatever you're doing right now. If you're sleeping, please don't snore. If you're sleeping in here, you better better get some medicine. You're in trouble. Isn't the presence of God real in here this morning? Wow. I'm reminded of the words of C.S. Lewis where he says, He's not a tame lion. (laughs) Be careful when you're in the presence of the Lord. Anything is liable to happen. He may not just ask you for an offering this morning. He may ask for your life. You can say amen or oh me. (laughs) This thing I've learned about my Savior, and I'm a little emotional here today because I think Pastor Sean is... Grown even more over the last seven months than what I saw in January when we we're here. Amen. <clears throat> the day is coming and soon is when we will be sitting listening to him as he says stuff that we've never heard before, taking his places we've never thought about going before, because God has anointed new leadership in this church. We thank God for Bishop and Pastor Kathy. They're Decades of leadership, but we're thankful for Pastor Sean and Pastor Aaron too. Amen, amen. Five of us are thankful, Sean. <laughs> we love you. But I, I just couldn't help to think that God may be doing something here this morning that goes beyond anything that I've written in my notes, anything beyond what we have thought about, that we've planned, that we've prepared for. God is a God who wants more. He wants more that's the word that was resonating through this whole thing this morning god wants more more than we're even able to think about immeasurably more than we're able to comprehend god goes beyond it amen he does thank you father for your spirit here today we thank you for the work that's going to be accomplished we're so thankful for the opportunity to be here in this pulpit and before this online audience lord we're so thankful, Lord Jesus, that, you're, that you choose to use us and to use our family and to use our children and to use this church and to use this leadership, Lord, to touch our world in a dangerous and difficult time. God, we are a city set on a hill, set aflame by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We pray that as moths to the flame, Lord, that lost in this community will be drawn into this sanctuary, Lord, until the seats that we have are not enough because God wants more. That all of our plans and our dreams for the future is not enough because you, sir, want even more. For this community lord and then through this city on a hill and through this anointed presence here today lord that we will reach literally around the planet and touch our world for jesus christ giving them lord what the name of this church is abundant life without any constraint father we pray that your holy spirit and presence would guide us in the next few moments as i tell old stories that many have heard before but as i share with them where my spirit is at in these last days God, we pray that you'll help us and anoint us, sir. We ask this respectfully and humbly in the name of Jesus the Christ, and we say, Amen, Amen to God. Thank you for that great welcome. And when I get discouraged, I'll play the, I'll play the video, and play it back, and I'll listen to it, and I'll go through and identify my friends who did not stand up, and I will, I will send you an online letter, what the Lord is saying to you. And I, I don't play those games. Thank you, Abundant Life, also as well. Pastor just briefly mentioned it this morning, but thank you as well for the the, can I say this and no one will get offended? The stupid, generous offering that you gave us. My kids are telling me stupid has changed. Now it means really cool. Uh, if I was a younger minister, I'd say it was a wicked good offering. <laughs> but I don't want to give wicked any more, any more uh, view time than it's got already. But it was an insanely good offering that you gave through your freedom offering to help us with fire Bibles around the world. And I bless you in the name of Jesus for that seed that you have sown. Give yourselves a hand in our Lord who's going to use that money amen i love coming to abundant life i don't have to beg i don't have to manipulate i don't have to try to make people feel guilty because of what you have or or compare you with other parts of the world that that are so downtrodden and so poor and so this and that out of the abundance of your wallet out of the abundance of your heart out of the abundance of your spirit you've always met the need and more every single time and I bless you for that it's in it's a part it's endemic to the nature of this church It's who and what you are starting all the way back to Bishop Woody and then Bishop Rick and now the pastor Sean and Aaron God is doing something awesome in this place praise God we got a countdown clock I'll be done by one o'clock you just leave when you need to and I'm gonna just <laughs> keep on going. I always write. I got up this morning early and I'm looking over my notes. I thought, dear Jesus, there's no way I can preach this. There's no way I can get through it all because I love what I'm doing and I love the partnerships that God has given us around the world, but also here in the United States of America. And I want to tell you about every one of those 67 editions of the Word of God. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a unique wrinkle. Everyone suffered an attack of the enemy as it was being produced, and people had to pay what I call an, an, an ultimate sacrifice offering to make this happen. Not just a financial offering, but other kinds of offerings as well. But I, I, won't, I won't give you all 67 But I will tell you this, there's something about this, and I I don't feel the need to preach in Bishop's Lane or in Pastor Sean's Lane. They do what they're anointed to do. I I saw a miracle here today. I'd never seen anyone get anointed to give the announcements before. (laughs) I thought, wow, this is a great church. Even the announcements are anointed. I wanted to get up and say, yes, Lord, let's just have an altar call. The kids are going to youth camp. Hallelujah, let's just come to the front right now. Pastor Reese, he's awesome. (laughs) And poor Ginny has to live with him. I don't know. Is he that annoying about taking out the trash? (laughs) Probably not. He's a good man. He's a good man. I love him. I love love the concept of articulated vision. Okay, now to to run the risk of stepping into my, my elder and my friend's lane, there's something about not just hoping God does something, And not just believing that God could do something if he chose to, but stepping across that line to where you publicly begin to say, unless I die or unless God sends an angel to correct me, this is what I see in my spirit. This is what is going to happen in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the personnel. But I don't have a care either because if God says it, I want to be sucked into the realm of impossibility so that I don't get the glory, I don't get the credit, but everyone says, wow, that was miraculous. That must have been God. To God be the glory. Amen? Well, Michelle and I, back in 1991, left our church that was thriving, it was growing, it was paid off. We were putting money in the bank. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. Thought, what a great time to pastor! And God, in His infinite wisdom, called us to do something that we'd never done before: leave the country to go to a place where we'd never been before, and to eat food that shouldn't be eaten by anyone else ever before to get dozens of shots and inoculations and figure out how to live and work in a communist country and learn a sing-song language that has five distinct different tones in it to a guy who can't even sing and hold a tune. Now, why would God do that? Number one, he cares more about the harvest than anything else. I want to put that before you today cuz I know God wants to bless us. I love the mantra that I think Bishop Woody actually came up with first. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He's a good God and and I've spoken that self in I've spoken that to myself over and over through the years cuz I didn't get that growing up. You're this poor, earthly, dusty worm. You're just lucky God saved your worthless hide. And I say, oh, yes, Lord, but just such a worm as I. But I had to get that new word in my spirit. God can do all things, and he chooses to use me to get it done. And therefore, if he's going to use me, he's going to put new pipes on me. He's going to tune up my engine. He's going to give me the body of a Ferrari instead of a Volkswagen, and we're going to get this thing cooking down the road. Because God loves the harvest, and he doesn't have time for us to sit around and focus on ourselves, but instead he wants us focused on what God can do. So he sucked us out of what I knew I could do, I was trained to do, I loved doing, I loved my church, I loved pastoral ministry, and I had to go on the road for 15 months, what I call being a professional beggar for Jesus Christ. 190 different churches we visited over those 15 months and said, please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> may, would you help me? Would you, would you encourage me? Would you become part of my sending agency? And after 15 months, the vision began to be articulated. Michelle got sick of hearing me. My kids would travel with me during, they were on just little guys then, and they would sit there and I would tell a story and they would mouth it with me. They'd heard it so many times. Or if I forgot a point, they would remind me, Dad, you didn't tell this part of the story. We got sick of hearing ourselves tell the same story over and over again. But you know what it did for me? It it, it cemented it deep in my spirit that I was about to step out of the boat and walk on water because I can't swim, so I better learn how to walk. I said to those congregations, um, Abundant Life wasn't one of them because I didn't get to meet Bishop until... He was a pastor then, but bishop until 1998. So for those first seven years, I was leaderless. I was lost <laughs> until God gave me a bishop, and then he fixed everything. <laughs> that was a great time for a laugh, yeah. <laughs> he really did change my life with no joking, all, all kidding aside. But uh, we, were, we began to speak it out loud. Going back in the denomination that I was raised in, the name Kenneth Copeland was was not widely accepted. But Brother Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland led us into at least one aspect of what we need to learn is that if God puts something in our spirit, there's something about saying it out loud. There's something that is, I want to even use the word magical, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't hinder some of you here today. There's something magical about saying, this is what God says. I don't care how I feel. I don't care how I look. I don't care what's in my bank account. I've heard this from the Lord, and I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to say what God says. And if I'm sick and I speak healing and I die and go to heaven, he's still the healer. He still takes care of my body. If I'm not yet perfect, am I perfect yet, baby? Not not yet. And I wasn't talking to you, Pastor. I was talking to my wife. I'm not perfect, but I'm claiming the perfection of my Savior over my life. One day I will look like him, and I'll talk like him, and I'll walk like him. He wants me. So as I articulate the vision that he gives me, it sucks me into the impossible, the wormhole of the anointing Holy Spirit of God, and you get to going places and doing things you never thought you could do before. One of my favorite scriptures, and I won't chase it because I'll be wanting to preach on it, is Peter in the boat. What a stupid request, Lord! If it's you, let me get out of the boat in the middle of the storm. No, Lord, let him end at eleven thirty so we can make it to Golden Corral before the Baptists get there. Let's don't go this direction. Now you don't go to Golden Crow, do you? God help him, Lord. Just give him a, give him an anointing for a good taste. But we begin to say this out loud, and I said, friends, I want you to support us because. This is what God's going to do. We're going to go to a country and a people and a government and a situation that has never been done before. And we're going to see in the first four years a thousand people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And people would just clap and say, that's great, that's great. And I get in my car and I'm busting my chops to get to the Sunday night service back when we still had those. And, and thank God for missionaries because we needed the extra services. And I'm going along, I thought, oh man, I just said I'm going to win 1,000 people for Christ. I don't think I've won 1,000 people for Christ for the first 30 years I've been alive. But I heard that in my spirit, so I said it out loud. We're going to plant five churches in the first four years in a communist country. How many of you know It's not possible it's impossible but we began to say that we are going to see the holy spirit of god fall in this country in a place where they've never ever in the history of the world had an outpouring of the holy spirit i articulated that vision i preached out of ezekiel the 42nd chapter about the bones coming together and the sinews being attached and the flesh coming on them and standing on their feet a mighty army and as i began to say that out loud god began to build faith in our spirit And we got onto the enemy's territory. We were just like, wow, I can't wait to see how God does this. Because I've really put him on the spot. (laughs) And we'll see how it happens. We thought that that was impossible. But I found out later on that God wanted even more. We got there in Laos in 1992 and basically assigned there till early 1998 when we moved to Bangkok. And that's where Bishop and my paths crossed. Actually, it started there, (laughs) I wasn't there, I didn't have time for him, so that's another story. My wife took him around, I think I think uh, Pastor Heather was there too, and maybe one of, your other, one of your other relatives was there with you, and she took him all over Bangkok, and took him to the jewelry shop, and showed him the temples, and, and, and went out to eat with him. <laughs> and I was too busy doing the Lord's work. Boy, I learned <laughs> real quick. So we started out there, but God wanted more. In our sixth year, we became the directors now remember, we went to hit the nation of Laos. Six and a half million people is a pretty big target, don't you agree? But after, after being there, and oh, by the way, we saw well over a thousand people saved. Five churches were planted, and Pentecost arrived. Pentecost arrived into that country in our garage. We didn't have any churches, so the Holy Spirit fell in the garage of our house And my wife grabbed a hold of that guy and shook him and pointed her little bony finger at him. Have you know when a little blonde points a finger at you, You know you're in trouble. And she says, you speak in other tongues as the Lord gives you. Off he he went. Even God listens to my wife. We saw Pentecost fall. It went from there and began to spread. And, And the Hmong churches began to be filled with the Spirit. And the Lao churches began to be filled with the Spirit. And God began to do a wonderful thing there. But it wasn't enough. God wanted more. He sent us to live in Bangkok, Thailand, a place where I said I would never live. Be careful of the word never. I would never live there. We lived there for nearly 15 years. God help us. I hope he never calls me to Maui. I won't do it. I won't go. Never, Lord. Never. Never. Let's see if it works. But we went from being responsible in our spirit for six and a half million people to having to shoulder the load of missionaries and churches and the lost that t- totaled over 235 million people. In our leadership position, we had over 100 missionaries in five countries of Southeast Asia, totaling nearly 240 million people that needed Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We did that for the next almost 15 years. And then God said, I want more. <laughs> I want more. But it was during those first two seasons of learning what the Lord really was after that we began to see He wants us to touch our entire world. That's where your giving and your prayers come into effect, my my administrative responsibilities, my travel, my heart for God in foreign places. But it, it all works together with the mystery of the Holy Spirit opening doors that the devil didn't think should be open. But our God is a God of opening every shut door. Amen? He can and will do it. We're thankful that God wants more. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. Uh, I know the guys up on the screen wanted a scripture from me, but I didn't want to give it to you. I wanted to read it myself. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 and 21. Most of us can quote it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably how much? more than all we ask or even imagine according to his power. That word power doesn't just mean that he's a strong guy. It means his resource, his wisdom, his anointing, his authority. Is that All that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, among all peoples, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The current articulation of where God has us at happened when I was sitting uh, in my office and at that time we had 23 fire bible languages finished, this is back in 2012 pre-COVID everything seemed to be popping good we had money in the bank, we had opportunities more than we were able to take but we became a fundraising machine but we weren't producing bibles how many of you know God didn't care how much money we had in the bank, he cared about the harvest more than my bank account Cared about the harvest more than my organizational fundraising ability, and he said, "I want Bibles done." So I got some leaders together in my office. And we began to seek God and talk to one another, and we came out of that room with setting the goal before we finished, or the Lord came back of finishing the top 100 languages on the planet in the Fire Bible construct. Well, all the other pastors left the room, and me and my my friend Edgar Ree were sitting there, and he looked at me and said, "Jeff, you know that's not possible." I said, I know, ain't it great? (laughs) It's cool. He said, no, you're not understanding what I'm saying. It's not possible. I said, I know, I know, but it wasn't possible to step out of that boat and walk on water until he did it. It's not possible for us to do this. We need people. We need millions of dollars. I'm talking not just one measly million. Everyone says, Brother Jeff, Brother Ish, asked me on the way in today. I don't mean to Little, his full name ishmael but he called me told me he was ish so there he is yes yes he asked me he said what do you need brother jeff and i just said a million dollars so don't ask me if you don't want to know i'll take a hundred i'll take a thousand if that's what you got i'm happy to take it but if you ask me what i need right now today i could spend a million dollars like a squirt gun on a forest fire because god wants these bibles done and he wants them in the hands of the people in their own heart language so that then they can be filled with the Spirit of God and they can tell all nations, tribes, kindreds, and tongues what the truth of the gospel is in their own language. All I need is another million. <laughs> They've been saying that now. My staff is texting back and said, million's not enough, Jeff. We need more. I said, Okay, just leave it alone. Fire Bibles in a hundred different languages would, would equate to five-point-something billion people on the planet able to be served in their first or a near heart language if we can finish those hundred languages 67 are finished and we're counting down his vision sucks us into the whirlpool the undertone of the of the undertow of the of the the plan and the purpose of God into his realm of doing what is not possible some of you are here today, and you don't even know what a fire Bible is. Pastor mentioned it. I've talked about it several times. It's simply your favorite version of Scripture. We don't, haven't got one in the Quran yet, <laughs> but we stay, we stay with the Holy Christian Scriptures. But we've got them in the King James, the ESV, the NIV, the MEV, the NLT, and probably a couple other initials out there somewhere, too. But we've got these fire Bibles, and we take the Word of God, and we add to that 77 articles on faith and conduct, what it means to be a Christian. I opened my Bible to what Pastor Sean just uh, told us this morning on, out of Mark chapter 4. And the article on the opposite page is power over Satan and the demons. <laughs> Isn't that a great, that's great. I almost read it. I thought this could preach. <laughs> but it's right there. And that's what's in the commentary at the bottom of every single page all in your own heart language. If your Spanish is your language, we've got it. We've got Reina Valera, uh, Vida Plana. We've got the new NTV. Spanish is just coming out. We're trying to reach everyone we can for Jesus Christ. We also put concordance in there. We put book introductions in each one of them. So what this Bible does is not just get the word of God to them. It gets the word of God to them explained so that you understand. We have the gift of many pastors in America. If you don't like Abundant Life, you can listen to David Jeremiah. You can listen to Glades online. You can, you can go on there and you can listen to Brother Hady down there in, in Texas, and he can beat up on the, on, the, on the Palestinians a little bit more online. You can, you can really get anything you want. I, I shouldn't have said that. God forgive me for touching an elder. But you can get almost anything you want here because we live not only in a land of abundance financially, we have an abundance of teachers not all of them are awesome (laughs) i hope you know that can you say amen we have in this church an abundance of solid teaching godly women and men of god who can share with us what the word of god is but most of the world and this is not a guilt tactic i'm just letting you know most of the world does not have an adequate explanation of what this book says now you can just hand them a bible without any context, without any training, without any understanding. And if they're in a Hebrew culture or if they're in a Korean culture or, or a Japanese culture, they'll start at the back of the book and work to the left because they read their books backwards. Or maybe they do it right and we read ours backwards. I don't know. But they, they, they read a different way. They have a different understanding. If you pick up the wrong chapter and start, how many of you know you can be in deep trouble? You can get hurt by what you read. God told Joshua, go ye therefore every man straight with into Jericho, once the walls come down, and kill everything alive. I don't want that to be the first place they start reading. You say, well, Jeff, no one would know that. I'm here to tell you. We had a pastor that had been saved for two weeks in, in, in Mozambique. He got anointed to be the pastor because he was the longest serving Christian in the group of people that had just got saved. They didn't have a Bible, we still don't, we're working on the, the Mo, Mozambique Fire Bible in the Shungan language, but he had an English one that he barely could read, a Portuguese one that was a little bit better, and so he said, every book that's worth something, the end is in the last chapter. So he flips it open to the book of Revelation, and his first week in the pulpit, he's preaching Revelation. No idea what he's talking about, but he's preaching Revelation. And he says, Wow, I read here that our people can't sell in the marketplace. They can't get any food. They can't get anything if they don't have 666 on them. So he came in, had an altar call, took charcoal and started writing 666 on their foreheads. Put 666 on their hands. He said, What if we named our church 666, Church of God? (laughs) Finally, he got a Portuguese fire Bible. And he thought, I wonder how my teaching stacks up with other people. And he began to read and found out that six 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 is six is the mark of the beast of Antichrist system in our world and everyone that takes that is anathema to God they've chosen the world system against God's system so he the next time they met they gathered around the shade tree and said we're going to change the name of our church and we're going to have an erasing service (laughs) wipe your foreheads off everybody get clean get rid of that 666 thank God we didn't tattoo you (laughs) you can get tattoos off but it ain't no fun it's no fun So many of these are done. They all have their own story. I would love to tell them all to you. The Chinese, man, this church was involved in the Chinese years ago. Three million of those we sequestered across the border into mainland China. And now the door is completely and utterly shut, but for another miracle move of God. The Christians are once again being put into jail, voice of the martyrs, is saying now that they've they're seeing currently the greatest persecution of the church in the history of our world is taking place right now. Men and women are going to prison for being caught with this Bible. They're being killed because they, they've visibly been seen or turned in having this word of God and the word of God explained. I want you to know we got in there in time, and that those three million Bibles went. Boom. And the Chinese have copyright laws. They have the right to copy anything we make in America. Do you know that? You've been hearing that on the news? And so they began to copy the Fire Bible themselves on, on, on Xerox machines and copier machines, and they're printing them off in their old Hewlett-Packard printers. And, and those Bibles began to grow because if you don't use Bible paper, they get thicker and thicker and thicker. And then when it's it's nice and moist, like it is here in South Florida right now. I hate humidity, and you got a bunch of it. <laughs> But those Bibles begin to swell. We've seen them nearly 10 inches high. But the people want the Word of God so much, they'll do whatever it takes to get it, do whatever it takes to make sure that they have it, and they have it explained. The Chinese government, perhaps you've read this. It's touched my wife and I's heart. The Chinese government is right now writing the people's Bible. They're taking the Word of God, and they're doing what we did with Fire Bible, but they're doing the counterfeit version and they're changing all of the constructs about salvation and grace. They're changing the terminology. And as soon as it's finished, they're going to mandate that every believer, everyone that's called a Christian in the nation, must turn in their old Bibles and get the new Bible. There's no longer the, the, the Ten Commandments given by the servant of God, Moses. Now it's the, it's the, it's the commandments of the party are put in there. They're changing everything. You remember the instance where where the woman was caught in the act of adultery? I don't know what they did with that guy. They must have got him away quick. But they were just fixing to stone this lady, caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus said, where are those that condemn you? She said, they're gone. He said, I don't condemn you either. Now get up and don't sin anymore from this moment on. He loved her. He released her. He forgave her. But in the communists, they've already got that portion out. Jesus began to throw the rocks because he is against anyone that's not perfect. But the party really loves you. They're gonna require that every Christian believer in the nation of China, nearly 1.3 billion people, will have a copy of their scriptures. How many of you know them, three million copies before the persecution began, got in just on time? Amen. We trust in a miracle working God to keep his church safe. Everyone has a story. People ask me, they say, Jeff, how much does a fire Bible cost? You can get them online in various editions, different languages, at firebible.com. And they they run anywhere from $35 to $65, depending on the cover and, and what language it is, where we had to ship it from and store it and get it printed at. They're all different prices. But what the cost of this Bible is can sometimes be enormous. We've known of at least two people that have been martyred in North Korea simply because they had the New Testament Fire Bible in their possession. They sent him to life in prison, and on the way, they killed both of them. That's the cost of having the word of God. In Turkey, years ago, I probably have told you this story, but just act like you haven't heard it. I'm in the grandpa stage, so I, I tell things over and over. But a young, spiritually hungry young Muslim man Came in from the outcountry and lived in Istanbul, and, and he was given a track or picked up a Christian track. It was colorful, so he began to read it. He began to digest what, it was, what was being said, and he took it back to his roommate, and he told him, he said, You know, we're here, and, and I know we're both, we're both Islamic, but this is really something else. I'm hungry, and I want the truth. He said, you better stop reading that. You better stop reading that. You're going to get in trouble. (laughs) He sure did get in trouble. God reached down and saved his hide (laughs) and set him on a path of righteousness, saved his roommate, began to save their families, all because of a hungry heart, reached out and got something printed, put into his language. Years down the road, this individual, someone passed attracted that guy. Someone planted a seed in good soil, Pastor, never knowing what happened. I don't want to say this man's name on, in, you know, on a public venue, but we do know him, I've met him, he's, he's eating lunch with me. We, I took him to Golden Corral, so. <laughs> no, I think I took him to Houlihan's. I wanted to impress him. <laughs> but he shared with us, he said, "'As we were making the Fire Bible "'in the Turkish language, the police told this young man "'to stop translating, stop what you're doing. "'It's against the law, you can't do this. Until one day they showed up, him and his friend were in their work, and shot him in the head, killed him instantly, and threw his friend out the third story window to be killed on the street by the mob. How much does a fire Bible cost? I want you to know we're in our third printing (laughs) in Turkey. (laughs) Nothing will stand against what God wants done. We're in our third printing from people who tried to stop what's happening. Today in this celebration of Fire Bible Sunday, I want you to ask yourself how many people were here because of what you've already done and your freedom offering and what you'll do in days to come. Your vision, your vision obeyed. As God gives you a vision, you obey it, and you step out in faith will determine what the harvest is. God forbid that we have to stand in front of the one who gave his own life in a horrific fashion that I might be saved, and I have to explain to him why I didn't respond when the Spirit touched my life and said, Give, go, pray. I don't want to be there, do you? I want, I want to serve the Lord. I want to articulate his vision and his purpose. The world needs the word of God. They need it explained. And it won't do any good if they get it all in English. As much as I love the English language, I know that's the language Jesus spoke when he was on the planet. <laughs> How many of you know I'm joking, right? <laughs> now Jesus is God. And he was man, but he didn't speak English. Now, I don't know if he knew it or not. But in fact, I don't even think English was invented It was it? No, it's, it's still, still in the backwoods of northern England somewhere. Jesus didn't speak English. And if you don't get this Bible in your own heart language, it's very, very difficult to understand. I tell you, there's power when you walk into someone's life and you can speak their language. You can talk to them. They understand you. This came home to me as years ago. Michelle and the kids and, and myself as well, but I traveled. We're living in a place called Chiang Mai, Thailand, because we got booted out of Laos. But I would go back and forth about once every other month, once every six weeks, and I would meet with officials and take care of the schools that we had built there. And I was in just such a meeting. Everyone at the table was a communist except for me, and, uh, and I had a... a American flag patch, I didn't go that far. But I'm sitting there, and we're getting ready to eat, and they had this wonderful spread of food out in front of us. I won't describe to you some of the food that they had out in front of us, but it really wasn't what you would want to eat. And I thought, I better pray, or I'm going to get sick. How I many of you know it's not, Lord, thank you for this food. You know, make sure our bodies are good for it, and we give you all glory. I began to pray, Lord Jesus, save my hide, <laughs> save my body, keep me free from amoebas <laughs> in the name of Jesus, because this stuff is full of it. Giardia is <laughs> not a chocolate. <laughs> it's not that's it's Giardelli. <laughs> you, you can want Giardelli, but you don't want Giardia. It will make you sick. How many of you know more people die in the world? from diarrhea than any other thing, single thing. Did you know that? Just a tidbit to throw out there to you. <laughs> Number one killer of people on the planet, diarrhea. And it's some other form of something, but that's what they die from. So I asked permission of my friends. I said, If it's possible, can I ask the Lord to bless our food and, and I want to say Thanks. And they looked at me. They thought, we've never seen this before. They said, sure. And they didn't close their eyes. They didn't bow their heads. They didn't do anything. They just looked at me like, what's he going to do? <laughs> There's nobody here. He hadn't lit any sticks. There's no orange on the counter, no, no, no Coke can up there, nothing. How, how's he going to offer thanks? And so I bowed my head, and I began to pray in Lao to the Heavenly Father. And I prayed a long prayer. It's the only time I ever got to preach in Laos. <laughs> I prayed a long prayer. Oh, Papi Gajau, oh God the Father. And I began to pray and pray and pray, and it was stone quiet. And I thought, I'm either dead or very effective. It's hard to tell. <laughs> and I said at the end of the prayer, I said, Panampa Yesu kichau, amen. They didn't even know what the word amen meant. So I said it, and I looked up, and every one of them were fastened onto me, looking at me. The miracle was they understood most of what I said. That was, that was what was cool because I was deeply depressed about my ability to speak their language. And the leader, a man by the name of Mr. Onsi, he said, "Jeffrey, can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure, sir." He said, "Does your God speak Lao?" Honest to God, truth. That's what. Does your God speak our language? I said, oh, yes, and 2,000 years ago, he went to the old rugged cross, (laughs) and they nailed him up there on a crisscross beam, and I, I began to tell the story, and after a little bit, he says, okay, that's enough, that's enough, too much religion before we eat food, but he heard the prayer, and he heard the beginnings of the gospel message, and I believe that God began to stir in his heart, there's something more. If there's a God out there that actually speaks my language... Maybe he can fix some of the things that I'm currently having to go through. God speaks other languages, and that's why we do Fire Bible and aiming for the top 100 languages in the world. There's something about articulating that vision. There's also something about being there physically present in the place where these Bibles are going to be used. Three weeks ago, I was in the great vacation capital of Kazakhstan. How <laughs> many have been? Not many, probably. But uh, the Kazakhstan, it's just uh, just north of China, and it borders on the Black Sea with Russia, a place I'd never been to, didn't know the language, didn't know the food. I became a fan of horse-fried rice. <laughs> you haven't lived until you've had horse-fried rice. And I said, may I have a little more horse, please, in my rice? It's actually pretty good stuff. Don't knock it until you try it. It's almost as good as spam, (laughs) so that'll help you compare it right there. It's almost as good as spam, but a friend of ours that we all know, Pastor Mike Allard from Houston, Texas, and I and several others got into a van, and we drove six hard miles down to the border between southern Kazakhstan and northern Xinjiang province in China. We got close enough to the border where we could start to count the guard towers. And I thought how great a country is when you have to have guard towers to keep people because they wanna come in. Same problem we have in the South here, but for different reasons. They're trying to keep people from going out of the country with guns, with AI, with everything else. We stood close enough to watch it we got on that soil and we began to proclaim the word of the Lord. How many of you know there's power when you're on the soil and you begin to say what God says? We began to proclaim souls from out of that people group. I don't want to say it out loud, but that people group. We began to claim souls. We began to claim leaders. We began to claim a fire Bible done in that language of those people and in, in all different iterations we could get it to them because God is going to do something among that people. A friend of both of ours, Brother Ron Maddox, says it this way. Right now, there's a trickle of believers among this people group of 21 million people. There's a trickle of known believers, but that trickle shall become a stream, and that stream shall become a river, and that river shall become an ocean of the grace of God among these people. And we started praying, and we started believing, because that's that's Bible. I hope you've read that in your Bible. God said to Abraham, look around you. Everything you see, I'm going to give it to you if you trust me and you obey my word. He told, he told Joshua, he said, every place you put your foot becomes your property, becomes the property of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm I'm putting New Testament in the Old Testament there. I realize it, but I've operated on that principle. I may not be able to speak. I may not be able to, to, to go and hide and do secretive stuff, but everywhere I set my number 13 on that soil, I can claim this is the property of the Lord Jesus Christ because the kingdoms of this earth shall become the kingdom of my Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign how long forever and ever and ever he shall reign in this place we're on this little hillside, and there's no one around. We're in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, as we're in prayer, we're praying faith over this new possibility for this language. And this little Nissan comes up, and he had the big fat pipes on that car, and he's going, rear, rear, rear. He just kept doing it over and over and over again. He rode up the top of that hill. I didn't even think that Nissan could get up there, but he made it up there. It was either good driving or the demons, <laughs> one of the two. Sometimes you can't tell if you're a NASCAR fan. <laughs> but he came up the top of that hill, rear, rear, And the doors opened up and these four young guys got out and they they weren't fat and old like I was. They were young and strong and and they started going around that car and then they're saying something and we just kept on praying. What else are they going to do? And so they got mad because we wouldn't stop and they started kicking their own car. Isn't that like the enemy? He can't kick you so he's going to kick his own vehicle. They kicked the car for a little bit and they got in the car and back down the hill they went. And we thought to ourselves, that was weird. <laughs> that was weird. And we looked up on the hillside and saw three soldiers watching everything that was going on. I had to believe between the devil and the Communist Party, someone sent to start and stop us. I want you to know God is circling like a flood. Over the nation of Kazakhstan. And there will be a church there. There will be a strength of believers in that land. We have declared that it's so. We put our feet all over that hill. We rode 15 hours in that van. That's the seamy side of missions. (laughs) I hated being there, but there's no other way to get there. 15 hours in that van to be there. On the way back, we had just prayed for our, our driver who was not a believer. We were doing about 125k on this road, which is about 75, 80 miles an hour on bad roads in an overloaded van. We had 16 people in this van, and it's only meant to hold 12. Thank God some of them was little. They wasn't all like me. And we'd flying down this road and the front tire blew. I mean, it wasn't just, it started going flat, it exploded. Boom! And everyone thought we'd been shot. And the young man that was driving, he hung on, hung on, and finally got the edge of the road. I don't know if you know, but an overloaded van with a blown out front tire on bad road doing nearly 80 miles an hour will flip and will kill you dead as a hammer. He pulled that thing off the road, and I, I said through the translator, I said, man, that was good driving. <laughs> that was good driving. And he was white as a sheet. I mean, he, you could see he was just scared to death. He got out of the van, and he was shaky, and he walked around the front of the van, and he saw that tire. I wish I have sent, Pastor Sean asked me. I should have sent you a picture of that tire. I mean, it had just blew. It had just, just totally destroyed. He walked over and looked at it, and he said, you remember before we got back in the van what we did? You prayed for me. You're God, listen. He said, I've never had a blowout before. I had no idea what to do when the tire blows out, but God helped me. I thought from the mouths of the Muslim, they give praise to God, amen? Satan was trying to take us out. He was trying to stop. But like Abraham, Joshua, and then later on where Jesus said, look on the fields, they are white, all ready to harvest. We were there to see with God's eyes and proclaim what God sees. God sees the harvest coming in. He sees it happening. This morning, I've got a ton more notes that I'm just going to skip through. But I want you to know you're such a blessing to us worldwide as we're finishing these scriptures. Currently, right now, we actively are getting close to finishing the Haitian edition of the Fire Bible, the Papuan for... Papua New Guinea, the Samoan, the Swedish of all places. The Swedish wanted the fire Bible. Slovenians, nearly finished. The Quechua language is now in the formatting stage for the people of Peru. The Serbian language is now finishing at the printers and is being shipped into Sad, Serbia, the Lingala in the Congo is nearly finished. We should have it done by November of this year, ready to go to print. The Shongan language for Mozambique is almost finished. Here's a new one I probably haven't shared with you before. The Mennonites contacted us. I didn't even know Mennonites were totally full believers. But they said, oh, we've read it in English. We want a fire Bible in our language. I said, well, what language do you speak? You're like all over the world. Every Mennonite all over the world, unbeknownst to me, speak a language called Low German. They said, we want to partner with you. We'll pay for half of it if you can find the other half, and we'll provide the translation, and we'll help with the printing. I said, amen, you're my kind of Christian. (laughs) And now in Kazakhstan, we've opened up the Silk Road Initiative. To put the Fire Bible in the language of the Kazakh people, the Uyghurs, and Central Asian Russian people. Totaling an outreach ability of nearly 50 million people will then be able to have a Fire Bible in their own language. What Bishop Rick and Pastor Sean and Aaron and another church across the state on the, uh, on the left coast of Florida, if you will, outside of Fort Myers. They've come together and said, we want to we create the Fire Bible in the Akha language among the people of Southeast Asia. We, we see the Akan, we've been to the villages, we've sat in their homes, we've eaten green beans that were infested with germs, and God kept us from getting sick. <laughs> I wish he had done it every time, but he did it that time. <laughs> and they said, oh, if you could just give us a fire Bible in our language, because we're not just here in Northern Thailand, we're all over Southern China. We're in Northern Vietnam, we're in Northern Laos. We have thousands of our people in the nation of Myanmar. Some of them have migrated into the markets of Cambodia and also into Vietnam. The Akha people are spreading out. They don't belong to any one country. They said, if you could give us this, it will tie our people together like it never has before. And we won't be susceptible to cult activities. We won't be susceptible to the spirits who try to lead us into other understandings of the scripture. We will know what we should believe based upon the word of God. So these two pastors, these two churches have said yes. And I sent my missionary over there just about, he just got home four or five days ago, but he was over there for two weeks in those Akha villages and on those mountaintops in northern Thailand saying, the day is coming and soon is, you're going to have the word of God, the word of God explained in your own heart language. Because we've got a couple of churches that love God and love the harvest and are willing to sow. Thank you, Abundant Life, for what you have done, but for also what's fixing to be done. It's coming, it's coming. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of scripture. Thank you for allowing us to partner with your Holy Spirit, Lord. You could have called 10,000 angels, but you didn't. You could have sent supernatural witnesses to different places, but you didn't, you sent us. You could do great and awesome, mighty things from the sky over Margate, God, but you didn't. You raised up Abundant Life Church. And now it's our responsibility and our partnership to reach our people, to reach our world with the word of hope, the word of salvation. Father, I pray a special blessing upon this church and upon its leadership. I pray the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. I pray abundance without any trouble added to it. I pray, Lord God, for harvest and fruit, not just temporary fruit, not just altar fruit that can sometimes be misleading and fleeting Lord fruit that goes deep that reproduces and that stays consistently through the generations give us fruit Lord at this church and through this church around the world God continue to bless the efforts of Fire Bible, I I know I'm here today Michelle and I are here with our favorite church on the planet here today Lord But I see all the people that work with us, see the young ladies in the office, listen Callie, Dee Dee for listening we trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life for more information about our ministry please visit us on our website abundantlife.tv or follow us on instagram at abundantlife underscore tv and facebook at come to life and remember god is a good god he loves you and he wants to bless you